in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. Topic today, The Great White Throne Judgment, Part 2. Now we'll go into a little bit more detail on The Great White Throne Judgment, where it fits into the timeline and basically some details about what this, what happened at this event. Mm-hmm. One thing we discovered last week is it appears to have been the same during the same time frame as a judgment against the nations. So basically as they were judging the people who are alive on the earth at the same time they were judging the dead as well. Right. It was like a complete judgment of the entire world at this time. And this was at the end of the last age, which now we're in the age to come the bible right. says you know this is just a little review of last week we're just going to go and we went into some passages of scripture that talked about this at christ's return there was a judgment against the nations and then immediately after that a great white throne judgment and then of course that started the millennial reign of christ well that just makes the most sense if you're going to do one you might as well do the other and get it done with <laughs> well i mean god's timing obviously isn't always ours but What's confusing about it is, of course, this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, that the rest of the dead did not live again until after, again, until the thousand years was finished. And, of course, we understand that as being a spiritless text, which wasn't really in the original text, so it kind of messed up our timeline a little bit, because assuming that was that's, that's true, then that would put the Great White Throne Judgment after the Millennial Reign of Christ, but now it looks like the Millennial Reign of Christ is before... The Great White Throne Judgment. Right, it throws you off a little bit. God allowing satanic interruption, that could be what that is. A judgment against the nations. Great White Throne Judgment. And then after that is the Millennial Reign of Christ. And this is kind of the order that we're seeing in Scripture. And we'll go into a few more Scriptures here. Because last week we talked about Luke and how basically he talks about there's the age that they were living in. And then there was the age to come. We're living in the age to come. But... That age that Jesus was talking about, that was the end of the Old Covenant system. Now we're in the age to come, which is essentially the Christian age. I guess you'd say it's like the Christian age versus the non-Christian age or the previous before Christ's age. Well, the age of everlasting life. And now we're living in the age of everlasting life, as the Bible states, and Mm -hmm. we showed that in a couple other passages of Scripture last week. Now we're going to go into Luke chapter 20. And we're going to go into another some other passages of Scripture. Now, this one is talking about the resurrection from the dead. And this is an important thing because according to the great white throne judgment, there's going to be a resurrection, well, according to Jesus, there's going to be a resurrection of both the wicked and the righteous. Right. It isn't just the, the righteous that are going to get resurrection. Everyone on earth 
is going to get a resurrection after death. That makes sense. Whether you're good or bad, you're going to get resurrected from the dead. Now, the difference is, if you're righteous, you get you, you get resurrected to eternal life. And if you're wicked, you don't. Right. You know, you get resurrected to condemnation. Even today, people want to be rewarded for what they do. It's usually good, but, you know, people think they're rewarded. They should be rewarded for not doing anything. Because what's in it for me kind of idea. But the idea is... We will all be rewarded for how we lived, good or bad. Now we're going to go into a story that happened with the Sadducees that came to Jesus, was asking them the situation mm-hmm. with the resurrection. Okay. Testing him. Mm-hmm. And they were testing him about the resurrection, how it would work in basically in the next life, essentially. Right. You know? Because, of course, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They, they, they thought the resurrection was a bunch of boo-honky. And, and of course, we, <laughs> if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, you know, it's essential to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. And the general resurrection of the dead. You have to believe in the... Okay, let me explain this to you, because this is what... Where a lot of Christians don't really understand. You have to believe that you will be physically resurrected to be a believer of Jesus Christ. Right. Because Jesus himself was physically resurrected. Exactly. You could touch his his body. Now, it wasn't... It was... He was an immortal at that point. See? his His previous body, the body he, he was born into... Obviously, is like our body could would decay and die. Well, right, okay. and that's why he was able to shed that body on the cross for his eternal body, which is he was rewarded for what he did. Right. So our obviously our resurrected body will be immortal. Right. Okay. And this Jesus explains a little bit a little bit of this in Luke chapter twenty. Go ahead and read verse thirty four out there. And Jesus answered and said to them, "The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage." But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither married nor are given in marriage. Okay, we're going to stop there for a second because there he says something kind of interesting. That basically the age that they were living in, of course, and also the age that we are living in. But he was kind of stating there that the age they were living in, there's going to be an age to come to where at death you're going to receive a resurrection. Right. Because he says here, very carefully, you kind of read it very quick, the sons of this age marry and given in marriage. Okay, so he was stating about their age that he was living in at that moment. But he goes there, but those who are counted worthy to obtain that age, in other words, to get through that age, to get all the way to the end of that age, which would, was gonna, was essentially 40 years later, that they would be resur- that there would be a resurrection from the dead, and that they would be neither marrying nor given in marriage. So right. the idea there is that it was at the end of that age was when, according to Jesus, when the the, re- the promise of the resurrection was going to come around. Right. Okay. And you have to you had to been worthy to get through that age. Of course, they, they already made it through that age. You know, we're already well past that age. We're on the next stage now. Right. We're on the age to come. Jesus talks about, and that's the age we're living in right now. All right. Keep reading. Nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. He's stating at the very next age was when the, the, you're going to receive your resurrection and you're going to be like the angels. See, you learn a f- few things about the resurrection here that kind of blows people's minds. Right. That basically you're going to be considered to be a son of God. Of course, the angels, mm-hmm. are, if you look at the Old Testament, are actually called sons of God too. Right. Okay. Matter of fact, that's what they're called. So that's why you're, we're going to be like the angels, being sons of God, 
angels, as far as we know, are immortals. And we also will become immortals. See, this is what we're trying to achieve, but it only will be granted to those who overcome, of course, according to Jesus, that age. Right. And, and are worthy to be called sons of God. I just find this to be really interesting because we'll be like the angels. They're immortals. We're going to be immortals. And we're going to be living essentially forever. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be awesome. No, notice, though, it was the end of that age when that was supposed to happen. The time frame is the end of that age, which the end of that age, we know kind of what when that transpired, 70 AD. I keep thinking at the end of our age, when our life is over and we've overcome and we die, this is exactly what we're going to get. A glorified body and everlasting life. Now let's go into another one here because in Revelation chapter 11, now this is kind of interesting because this is... If you read Revelation through, it kind of goes, there's a lot of visions there, so it kind of goes back and forth. But Revelation chapter 11, it talks about the seventh trumpet. Okay, Now we'll get some details about this seventh trumpet. That's why I'm saying that this is why I placed the great white throne judgment after the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, all, the, all those things. It's, it seems to be after all those things. Mm. And we're going to read a passage of scripture where I get that from. So go ahead and read uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse, starting with verse 15 there. Okay. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay, and that's, of course, kicking off the millennial reign of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, basically, that, and, and of course, I still believe he's reigning now. Now, it may, to us, it may not seem that way because we see all the wickedness in the world and we have people in open rebellion against Christ reigning right. on this earth. But I believe he's still reigning on this earth. And this is why he's still my Lord and my God. Right. I will I, I will be, be hit on by his side no matter what, all the way through. I don't care. Okay. Right. Because I will not go along with wickedness and evil in this world. So this is what you need, you need to understand. So he's reigning. He was saying, oh, he's this is his reign right now. He's reigning forever and ever. And he is reigning right now. Right. But though, he's not the kind of king that's going to force you to just bow down and worship him. And what he does is he just kind of just says, hey, come follow me. Right. That's his approach. He says, hey, if you like what I'm doing here, come follow me. And you'll get rewarded as a result of that. No force. We just say, hey, mm -hmm. if you want to get eternal life, you want to get a reward, you, you follow me. It's simple as right. that. Now, if you don't, you know, you don't have to follow me. You know, you want to live sin and everything else and not, and give up eternal life, then that's up to you. You can go ahead. I mean, you, you have you have choices there. This is kind of the way our Lord is, okay? So let's move on here. Let's go ahead. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, and they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Okay, so here it just seems like that basically there's going to be a judgment of the dead mm. right after this seventh trumpet. So here it's kind of giving us a time frame of when the nations, you know, they became angry. Remember we talked about right. that, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. <laughs> That's what anger is. It's the gnashing of teeth side of things. Because God's wrath had come upon the people. He was going to judge them. This is at the time. And that's what, and, and it says here that the, the, the dead were judged. And the only time that the dead were judged, we know it when that happens. That's a great white throne judgment. Right. And there it, it says it quite clearly. This is right after the seventh trumpet. That, And this is why I place it right after the seven bowls, seven seals, seven trumpets. Because 
all after all the judgment against the nations physically on this earth, then it was time to judge the dead. Mm. And that's apparently what he did here. And reward his servants, the prophets and the saints. Mm -hmm. So that includes all the people in the Old Testament. And that even includes Daniel and all these other guys. And we're going to go into Daniel's passage of scripture because I, I realize he actually kind of confirms that it's 1,335 days after the abomination of desolation when he was going to get receive his inheritance. Right. So that's about a little over three and a half years after the abomination of desolation occurred when, in near 70 AD, right a little bit before that, that he received his inheritance at that point and his resurrection. Right. And this, of course, confirms it, that the reward for the prophets, the saints, and of course Daniel was a prophet, right. um, the saints and those who fear your name, great and small, everyone was going to receive their reward at that point. Right. And in their inheritance. So this confirms exactly as Daniel confirms that everyone's going to get resurrected in Daniel chapter 12. I, you know, everything is, is pointing towards the great white throne judgment being right after, I mean, like immediately after the judgment against the nations. Okay, this is where I put it in my timeline now. I had it after the uh, the thousand year reign of Christ because, well, we went over that last week. Right. That, um, you know, there's these texts that kind of indicate that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5. And we had to realize, okay, well, wait a minute now. That's not supposed to be in there. The rest of the whole Bible makes sense now mm -hmm. when you take that out. But this is why I think that a lot of these these errors in the Bible, I think, are actually on purpose. I don't. I think that they were purposefully put in there. And I don't know how they got in there exactly. But, you know, it's possible they could have been a, a, um, a scribal error. But I just find them to be too convenient mm -hmm. for that. It's kind of seeming more of a sat satanic kind of thing. Well, it's, they're a little convoluted. And the reason for that is, I think that's what the enemy's tactics are all about, is trying to confuse and disrupt the truth. Just one more in Revelation before we hit the Old Testament, because the Old Testament, all of course, they have a number of them that we're going to go into here. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, go ahead and read that one, because this is kind of an interesting one he talks to, the, to one of the churches there. Uh, to the one overcoming, I will give to him to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of my God. Okay, and so I was kind of curious about that one because I thought, well, that's kind of strange to tell this church, the church of Ephesus there, right. that they were going to receive, eat the tree of life. And I'm like, well, the tree of life, according to the Bible, is not supposed to come until New Jerusalem shows up. That's like a thousand plus years from then. Mm -hmm. So that got me confused, but now it, it actually kind of somewhat makes more sense. Right. If, if you overcome, you're going to be able to eat from the tree of life that's going to be in New Jerusalem, right. on New Earth, and you know apparently you can go in between uh, Old Earth and New Earth, you know, and it's interesting because you know that's apparently how how everything can be done. You can you can go there, you can come back. I don't know how it all works, but it, apparently you can. It's, it's very interesting. I guess you don't need a passport. See, and so that <laughs> that's what makes sense. He was giving them okay, you overcome this, and you're going to be. Snacking on that fruit there, <laughs> on the tree of life. So, you know, that, that's pretty basically what he states there. Now you go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. Go ahead and read that one really quick. The one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride. 
the lamb's wife. Okay, and see, I want to bring this up because remember before, this same angel was the one who, at, at the end, remember, he's the one that gave this whole prophecy in Revelation 11, okay, that we just talked about. And so here he's like, oh, that same angel. So if this was like, you know, this vision was like years later, how would he know that was the same angel? It's like, no, it's like, no, this is instantly after that is when, oh, a after this tribulation against the nations mm -hmm. is when the angel shows up and says, okay, I'm going to show you all, all the goodies that's going on. <laughs> you know, Of course, we know how it all works from other shows that there's a new heaven, a new earth that appears somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And the angels just say, hey, let me come over here. Let me show you the new earth, the new heaven, new Jerusalem coming down, the bride of Christ coming down. And that's going to be where God's people are. Right. That's why you don't see him here on this earth. <laughs> because... If that were true now, you know, it's like, well, where are all these, you know, immortal people? What we would be seeing them all over the, or we would know that they existed somehow, because there would be a lot of them throughout human history. So where are they all at? Well, if you understand how it works, well, they're on New Earth. They're not on. Mm -hmm. We're on old Earth. We're on the. We're on the first Earth. Okay, they're on the other place. And when you die, you, everybody goes over to the other place. Right. Okay. You don't go. You don't stay here. <laughs> you either go to the other place and you receive your reward in New Jerusalem, or you, you go to outer darkness where you'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth in the lake of fire. Right. You, you get one of the other places, but none of, neither one of them are on this earth. No, it's it's basically however you live is how you're going to be rewarded in the end. The last of the plagues came to me and talked to me. So in other words, these are that was the last, and then after that, it's when the New Jerusalem shows up. This is when New Earth shows up, New Jerusalem, right after the last of the plagues show up. And that's why I put it on my timeline. After the plagues, and I'm going to do, we're going to do another show here coming up. And we're going to redo the show number two on what the, what the true biblical timeline is and, and put it right there right. after all the plagues. Right. As the angel had just said there. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter nine, okay? Because this is, of course, one of the most popular passages. Now, you read the very first verse of Daniel 9.24, okay? And, of course, this is talking about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Right. Now, this 70 weeks of Daniel make a heck of a lot more sense now <laughs> that I understand, okay, well, no, the, the great right throne judgment, everything's going to happen after, after, at, at, at the 70 AD. Right. And that's exactly where Daniel goes to. He goes all the way to the end, to 70 AD, and then that's the end. Understanding that makes so many other things more clear. At first, I thought days as years in Daniel chapter 12 because it was throwing me off. Well, no, we know that the rest of the dead did not live again right. until the thousand years was up. Exactly. See, this is where one translation problem can throw off your whole theology. Exactly. But once I understood, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not supposed to be in there, and that kind of conflicts with all these other passages, then I had to go, okay, everything's making more sense now. Everything made sense after that. Well, you know? and that's the thing, is because you had to go back and figure out why this didn't make sense and understand the error in the scriptures and all that, then you're able to reconcile those verses the way they were written and not making them work the way you needed them to to make everything flow correctly. Let's read <laughs> Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. Now I'm I'm getting excited now because this is this is great <laughs> stuff. We're going to go the now we're in the Old Testament now and we're going to go into how all these ones follow and go exactly as I stated right in order. Let's right. go ahead and read that one. So 70 weeks have been determined upon your people and upon the holy city 
for sin to be ended, to seal up transgressions, to blot out iniquities, to make atonement for iniquities, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Okay, so all that stuff happened mm -hmm. when everyone was resurrected, okay? Everyone got was at, in New Jerusalem at that point, on New Earth, and guess what? Everyone in that city, we know according to Revelation chapter 21, guess who are only people allowed in that city? Right. Only the righteous are allowed exactly. in that city. Exactly, yeah. So now this makes complete and utter sense now. Right. How this could work, you only have the righteous in that city. Right. So this, he's just stating all these things are going to happen in 70 weeks of, uh, mm -hmm. weeks of years. Right. So in other words, 490 years from the proclamation that went out to the end, that was going to be it. Mm -hmm. 490 years was the end to when you had the great right throne judgment. Mm -hmm. Apparently he was going all the way to the great right throne judgment. Okay. okay. Now the only thing after that was the next age. And, and Daniel didn't go beyond the next age. Okay? Right. With his prophecies, he only went to the very last end right. of the age that Jesus was talking about. Right. See, we're living in the age to come. That's what we're living in. It makes so much sense because that would flow really well. Instead of making Daniel wait after 70 AD all the way through the millennial reign and then be rewarded. Like, that's almost like, that guy deserved his reward <laughs> soon enough. You know, not another thousand years go by and poor Daniel, he has to wait. <laughs> Let's go to Daniel 12 because this is where I, I, I kind of got messed up because I thought those were days were years because, of course, translation said, oh, no, it, what no one would get the resurrection until after the um mm -hmm. after after the thousand years was finished i was just believing my bible unfortunately right. see this is why it's very complicated and that's why the stuff that we're going to i don't blame people for not really understanding what mm -hmm. i'm teaching here and you know how is god going to judge you if you know you're reading your bible and you're thinking well i just believe what the bible says it says that after the thousand years is up you have to do this deep dive research of what i'm doing here and once you realize what happened, you're all like, oh, okay, this is all making sense now. Right. But how can you blame somebody if they just had their Bible and they didn't exactly. have access to the original text? You don't know that that was an add-on. But, you know, we can we have now have powerful tools now in the 21st century mm -hmm. that we can figure out, okay, what's been added on and which hasn't. Because we can compare all these old texts now right. and figure out what, what's real and what's Memorex. Well, that's right. really what's going on here. So let's go ahead and read Daniel 12. Start with verse 11. Now this makes a whole lot more sense. That 1,335 days after the abomination of desolation right. is when Daniel received his reward and his inheritance. Go ahead and read that one. For the time of, of abomination of desolation arrives and the sacrificing comes to an end is 1,290 days. And all of those will be blessed who endure all the way to the end. Of the 1,335 days. Okay, now I think the first number, actually, mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this. What's that first number? That first number, I believe, was the number of the first resurrected. Okay. Okay, I think that's what the, that 1,290-day mark, that was at basically Christ's return. Okay. When he came down with, and then, of course, all the dead in Christ rose first and all that stuff. Okay. And so then there was 45 more days for all the other things to happen, seven bulls, seven seals, seven trumpets, all that, all that stuff to happen. Okay. And then after that occurred is when there's judgment day 
against basically the dead. And that was the great white throne judgment. That happened after that at the 1,335 day mark. So 45 days later right. is when is from the first resurrection to the great white throne judgment. And that's the, the that's the, the general resurrection of the dead. Okay. Of course, now we know that after the according to Christ passage over there in Luke, that now we have to when we die, we receive a resurrection now. See, mm-hmm. Christ verified that now, since we're living in the next age, that we're going to receive our resurrection immediately upon our death, right. which is really good news for us. Because if you're a righteous person, you want to you don't want to have to wait in Hades <laughs> or wait somewhere else and not right. receive your resurrection right away. No, no, we we're going to be resurrected immediately now, according to Jesus. And this this is great news. Exactly. I mean, this is why this show, I'm telling you the good news, folks. And all we have to do is just do what God wants us to do and live our destiny that God has predestined for us. And we'll just be good to go. But so many people, God has a destiny for them, but they don't fulfill that destiny. Mm -hmm. And they fail at the destiny God's planned for their life. We're all predestined for eternal life, but so many people are going to fail their destinies because they don't want to do what God wants them to do. Right. And they won't receive eternal life, even though God hasn't predestined for them to do that. Mm-hmm. He has a plan for them. God has a plan for every single person. Well, I think it's beautiful to know that if you follow God's word, you live righteous and holy lives, you will be rewarded for all of the hard work and trials and tribulations you have to endure to get there. But if you take the easy road, you take the road more traveled, and you don't live a righteous and holy life, you will also be rewarded for the choices and the life that you lived. And it's not going to be an easy reward to handle. Let's go ahead and read Daniel chapter 12, the very last verse of Daniel that he writes here. Okay. Go ahead and read Daniel 12, verse 13, because this tells you what's going to happen at the end of the 1,335 days. Now, you'll go to your rest until that day arrives. For then you will be resurrected and you'll receive your inheritance after those days reach their end. So there you go. We now know what's going to happen. Okay. And not only that, we have information that it's not just going to be Daniel receiving his his resurrection. But if you remember in Daniel 12, verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. Right. Everyone's going to receive their, every, all the rest. Now, you notice it says many who sleep in the dust of the earth. Well, that's because they're right there. There's already the first resurrected. Right. Um, that, uh, there's already some dead that already got rose again right. on that first resurrection. Now, at the, at the general resurrection, that's why it says many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. It didn't say all because there's already a previous resurrection that right. certain people already did get resurrected from the dead. Right. So we're talking many. We're talking those from the Old Testament times. Yeah, all the Daniel. Old Testament. See, mm-hmm. the only ones that were resurrected during the first resurrection right. were those who didn't take the mark and, you know, they endured all that. Who were st- in yeah. Christ before. Yeah. Who, you know, the, the dead in Christ. The mm-hmm. people who died, you know, as a martyr and died in Christ and all that. They, they got the reward of the first resurrection. Right. And I think they might have been handpicked to uh, be part of the first resurrected group that saved. The priests. That, that were priests of God right. in Christ right. and reigned with him for the thousand years. Well, you know, that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, so who were, was he the closest to while he was here? And those are his apostles and all the other people. And even even though Paul wasn't in that, quote, group, he was in that group throughout the, the latter part of the New Testament. That just makes sense to me. Well, okay, now we're going to go into Ezekiel. See, and now I'm realizing, see, 
you now I'm looking at all these passages of scripture from a little bit different perspective now, right. and everything kind of makes more sense. The only thing that's kind of a little bit confusing that I've discovered is that okay, there essentially at this time there's two Jerusalems. Okay, there's a Jerusalem on this earth, mm-hmm. which is old Jerusalem. Okay, and then there's a Jerusalem. In, the holy city. Ca- called the New Jerusalem, okay? Right, right. Which, that's obviously, it's called New Jerusalem, not... But you see, a lot of times in the Old Testament, when they prophesy about new... Like, like for instance, Isaiah. Right. He talks about a new heaven, new earth, and he talks about Jerusalem at that point. You know, how where people will be living long lifespans. Oh, well, yeah, that's on New Earth, okay? Right. That Jerusalem is New Jerusalem, okay? But other times, like in Zechariah 14, they'll talk about Jerusalem, and that's talking about Old Jerusalem. So it, you just don't know, and it's based on context, whether or not they're talking about New Jerusalem or Old Jerusalem. And sometimes they're talking about Old Jerusalem, which, you know, of course, if you read uh, Zechariah 14, they had to rebuild Jerusalem up during the thousand-year reign of Christ. That was here on this earth. But then New Jerusalem came down, and that was where everybody else lived over there right. on New Earth. Okay, right. so that's where everybody's partying down right now. Or I, I wouldn't say partying down. I wouldn't say partying down. down. I was but like... they, they got their inheritance over there. They're, they're planting, and they're not having to, you know... They're not having to worry about somebody taking over their land anymore, <laughs> right? Because they got all these angels guarding the gates to that city, right? And there's no chance of them of anybody um, busting through there, you know. <laughs> we know how they, how powerful these angels are, exactly. and and they're, and they're guarding every single gate, real good, right? So this is what we learn here. We're gonna go to Ezekiel because Ezekiel 37 has a vision, the Valley of Dried Bones, right? And this is basically a vision. Of the resurrection from the dead. Now I'm realizing, basically, the great white throne judgment. Mm-hmm. And a re- the resurrection at this point. Right. Now that I'm see- seeing this, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Because at first I thought it was this was a prophecy of the first resurrected group. But now I realize, no, 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 this is a prophecy of the whole resurrected. And that's beautiful. Because that's the beauty of what's to come. We all need visuals. There's something important about being able to see something in words, like the pictures. You know, So this is that picture that you can see by the story that's told, but it's it has re- relative meaning. I want to get into some detail about this one, because now this scripture makes a lot more sense. Okay, so there's a resurrection of the dead here. And then, of course, something... He, he, we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15, okay? The word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel and kind of tells him, that there's going to be a reunification here when we get our resurrection. Who's going to get? Who's going to be reunified? Well, now, now this scripture makes way more sense now if you understand all these other passages of scriptures that we know. No one passage of scripture has all the details. Exactly. Every passage of scripture has different details, and then when you put them all together, all of a sudden you're seeing the whole picture. And that's by design. God's designed it that way that's perfectly. That's exactly it. He doesn't want to just give us a whole picture, like in one book, and then we don't have to <laughs> read anything more, and there's nothing for us to figure out. It doesn't take faith. Right. No faith involved. He wants us to figure out what is all going on and trust in his word. Now we're going to read Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15. And there's a reunification that's, that's going to happen. Between the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take for yourself a rod and write upon it, Judah, and the children of Israel and his adherents, and you shall take for yourself another rod, and you shall inscribe it for Joseph, the rod of Ephraim, and all the children of Israel that belong to him. And you shall join them together for yourself, so that they should bind themselves 
and do one stick, and they shall be in your land. And it shall come to pass, when the children of your people shall say to you, Will you not tell us what you mean by these things? Then shall you say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will take the tribe of Joseph, which is in the land, hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel that belong to him, and I will add them to the tribe of Judah, and they shall become one rod in the hand of Judah. If you don't know anything about history of the Bible, right. then this, this, all this whole thing won't make sense. But if you know you know your Bible pretty well, you're going to be able to follow along with what I'm saying here. Okay, there was this nation of Israel that God brought out of Egypt. We have probably all seen the Ten Jacob and his sons. Jacob and his twelve sons. Right. Jacob was renamed Israel. Right. And he had twelve sons, and these twelve sons became the twelve tribes of Israel. Exactly. Okay. So it's not really that confusing but it's just, i'm trying to explain it, it all. gets a little confusing yeah. on as a yeah. he has these 12 tribes they become like and so of course they went to egypt we all know the story you kind of watched 10 commandments right and then they, they they stay down there for you know a long time and then they reproduce they, they, you know right they, they grow pretty quick. god blesses them god blesses them in number and they right. come out of there after you know moses you know with the 10 plagues and all that nonsense right. so they go down <laughs> because of joseph and they come back because of moses yeah moses gets them all out we all know that and so they start, of course, there's a 40-year delay and everything. They take, they take over the land, and they're there for a while, and they have a bunch of judges that basically mm -hmm. reign over them for a while, because they're not being very faithful to the Lord. Right. They never really were. They start out, a lot of rebellion going on here and there, and you know a lot of idol worship and all this other stuff going on in the land. Then King David rolls around. Uh -huh. okay. Well, Saul comes before them, and... They start. He became the first king. Saul becomes the first king, and then you have David that shows up after him, and then Solomon shows up after him. Right. Well, after Solomon's kingship, there was a big split in the country. Well, rebellion strikes yeah. again. The southern tribe was called the tribe of Judah. Right. The northern tribe was called the tribe of Israel. From then on out, okay, God deals with these two tribes kind of separate, separately. Right. One he calls the house of Judah, and the other one he calls the house of Israel. Right. So anytime you hear that phrase, house of Israel, or house of Judah, you know who he's talking about. Right, so pretty much the house of Israel was the conglomerate of most of the sons of Israel. Right, and then that was the, the biggest one. The house of Judah... Was it just Judah or was it Judah and another one? I forget. Well, Judah and Benjamin, and there's been a lot of Levites that came down okay. to. Okay. It, it, it kind of became, a lot of people fleed from the northern tribe after, you know, when they realized, oh, they setting up idol worship over there. Right. <laughs> and, and a lot of people who didn't like that were actually following the Lord, moved to the southern tribe. And, of course, so it kind of got all mixed up after that. Point, so, but know. David reigned over all of it. You got Saul, David, and Solomon that reigned unified over right. the whole country. Right. And then after that, the whole thing fell apart. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. What happened was, God made a promise to David. Right. That with, with, that he was, his his rule basically would last forever. Rain. His and, reign mm -hmm. would last forever. And we find that to be true through Jesus Christ. Exactly. Scepter. Because Jesus Christ, his scepter would not depart from Judah, of course. Because David, um, you know, was of Judah, right, and Jesus was of the uh, was a descendant of David. Well, we know that yeah. David came from the town of Bethlehem, and Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. Both of them were born essentially in the same town. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's know? very interesting. <laughs> yeah, 
they, they both were from the same town, essentially. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into this all this whole right. thing. History. But, there's a little brief yeah. history. But you see, you, you have these two, they, they split the kingdom between two, and they never were re, really reunified no. at all. Mm-mm. But we learn here from this passage, Scripture yes. now, that they're going to be unified again. That's beautiful. And when is that going to happen? Well, I, I'm telling you when that happened. When New Jerusalem came down mm. out of heaven on New Earth, it was a reunification of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. What people don't realize is when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you are inscribed into true Israel now. Right. Because it's all about the believers now. It's not about, oh, your birthright or anything like that. No, it has to do with, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Then you are part of the true Israel and that you will be joined together. Right. Just like the house of Israel were going to be joined together because it's all about the believers now. The believers of Jesus Christ are now joined, unified together. That's what it is. Which also makes sense if you pay attention to our other shows about New Jerusalem. All the gates are of the tribes of right. Israel. And if they weren't unified, they wouldn't all be there. <laughs> right. All, all the, the, the 12 gates to New uh-huh. Jerusalem were the tw- of the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. You have to be a part of Israel to get into the city, right. which all believers of Jesus Christ are part of the true Israel. Which More proof. Which also goes into the promise that God gave to Abraham and that all as plentiful as the stars, Abraham's son was Isaac, and we know that Isaac's sons were Esau and Jacob. And so we Isaac was a, was the the Abraham was the father of Isaac. We're all son father. Abraham is our our father. So, you know that just it kind of just goes in exact order. But I just love that because God is just it's all about connecting the dots. You know, I when I was a kid, I loved connect the dots because in that connecting of the dots, little they have really intricate ones now. Okay, like huge pictures that you goes like. Not back then, it was like maybe zero to a hundred. Now it's like in the thousands. You can get these connect the dots, and it's this intricate picture, and you have to draw the lines just right to get the. But, but that's what it feels like. If you read scripture, yep. you just connect this dot to this dot to this dot, and it just it it unravels this glorious picture that God has designed only for those who actually are seeking and want to see the true picture be revealed. Ezekiel's given this prophecy, this vision that now the two people. The house of Israel and the house of Judah beautiful. are going to be, not they're not going to be two sticks anymore. They're going to be unified into one stick. And basically, Paul says the same thing when he says that you're going to be grafted in. Right. The, the believers of Jesus Christ are going to get grafted into the true tree. And that, or everyone's going to be, it's the same kind of idea here. But here, there's going to be a reunification. It's really beautiful because there's a peace there. But if it wasn't unified, it'd be like two bickering children. Well, it's interesting because when they did split, it was actually the Lord's will that they split. Because his plan was to split the kingdom and that he was going to be used his divine power to put it back together again. Yes. And this is exactly what he did. As God can only do. And this is what I believe happened. Mm -hmm. And is right now, we, when we overcome this world, we are going to witness. Wow. When we overcome this earth and we perish from this place, Mm -hmm. we are going to witness this reunification. See, that's why you know that the fake Israel over there in the mm-hmm. Middle East ain't the true Israel. Right. It's all a satanic deception, folks. Exactly. Because we know where the true Israel is. We know where the true New Jerusalem is. Right. It's not on this earth. It's a new earth. It's crazy. When these people talk about this, again, everybody focused on this place in the Middle East 
that has nothing to do with biblical prophecy at all. Right. It's all talking about New Earth, exactly. New Jerusalem. Right. Okay, and this is what this is talking about here. Right. Nowhere did this happen because the places over there. They're, oh, not it, they're not unified no. with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They're just a bunch of Jews. Where, right. where, where's Israel? Where's the house of Israel at about all thing? Right. See, this is how you know it's all a big satanic exactly. deception. Exactly. Okay. I'm just trying to explain this to you because it's, it's so easy to see through this this nonsense, but people can't do it. I'm just trying to get you well, to see what's going on. because you are looking for the truth. Some people aren't looking for the truth, so they're not going to find it. Because they are going to just believe what they're told. So that's that's beautiful that if you can trust and see through the deception, that you're going to see the beautiful picture God has to show us. Go okay. on, continue with verse 21 and just kind of read on there. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the whole house of Israel out of the midst of the nations among whom they have gone, and I will gather them from all that are round about them, and I will bring them into the land of Israel. And I will make them a nation in my land, even on the mountains of Israel, and they shall have one prince. They shall be two nations no longer, neither shall they be divided any more into two kingdoms, that they may no more defile themselves with their idols, and I will deliver them from all their transgressions, whereby they have sinned. And I will cleanse them, and they shall be to me a people, and I the Lord will be to them a God. He's going to bring them together. No more idolatry. Amen. No more sin. <laughs> Does this sound like the Middle East over there right now? No, yeah. you don't have any of this going on over there. I mean, I've explained this to you. This is why these two kingdoms are going to be unified into one under the Lord God. And in my opinion, this is New Jerusalem here. This, yes. is, this is what they're talking about here. Yeah. And in the, new, the true Israel is there, and we just have to endure to the end of this life to get there. Right. This is what we're to, we're going for too. We're trying to get there too. And we will get there. It has to be after the resurrection. All this happens. And this is why I believe it already happened. Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven, verse twenty-four. Go ahead and read that one. This is really interesting. And my servant David shall be a prince in the midst of them. There shall be one shepherd of them all, for they shall walk in my ordinances and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall dwell in their land which I have given to my servant Jacob where their fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell upon it. David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. And I will make with them a covenant of peace. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will establish my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. And my tabernacle shall be among them, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be my people. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them when they sanctify my, when my sanctuary is in the midst of them forever. Okay, and we know that, according to Revelation, that that's exactly what happens. That God is setting up his sanctuary, his tent. Right. Okay, tabernacle in the midst. I think this already happened, of course, and who's going to be taking over and running New Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. Well, we, we know who it is. King David. Exactly. Okay, that's how you know that it, this is the resurrection. And, of course, before that, according to the context... The resurrection already happened in Ezekiel 37. In, in the first part of the chapter, and now later on, we see that it's David, King David again, right? that will be prince among... And that's why, you know, he's good, He's running that place over there when Jesus Christ is over here helping us out. Wow. We have Christ over here, and they have King David over there running that place. That's awesome. Because King David has the experience on how to run a kingdom like that. <laughs> and you a know, uh, Not a divided kingdom, a united kingdom. 
That, that's exactly right. And that's why it's, it's, it's so exciting to see this. And of course, what happens? You, see, you have a tabernacle. That's exactly what it says in Revelation so, as well. You know what's really cool? I just I just had this thought. It's just so beautiful. When you get there, because I, I think we should all get excited, because that's a true place, and we are going to be able to get there one day. Yeah. We just have to live this life to the fullest and to be obedient to God. But when you get there, we're actually going to be a part of Scripture. <laughs> because think about it. You think about all the stories of David and how he reigned. We'll get, we are going to be get we're going to get to be a part of having King David as our king. That is so cool. Well, I mean, it's a, it, you know, he's going to be a righteous king, going to right. be resurrected. But this is exactly, again, what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the tabernacle, he says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Behold, this is Revelation chapter 21, 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This has to be talking mm-hmm. about new heaven, new earth, because they use the same idea of the tabernacle. In both right. places. Right. The tabernacle is back, folks. Mm-hmm. According to that passage and this one, it's on new earth. Right. And this is more proof. Right. Revelation 21.3. Look it up. See, this is why it all makes sense now. Mm. King David's going to be running that, is running that joint. Right. <laughs> and now we have the, the Lord. I think Jesus Christ can, can go between between worlds, obviously. He can go there and here and everything. He's, he's taking care of both of us, you know. But see, that makes so much sense because... David was a man after God's own heart, almost like another son. Right. You know, and I just love that. That is just so beautiful. It flows. I mean, if you've ever read something and you go, oh, that just doesn't make sense. I'll just discard that. You can't do that with scripture. It has to flow. It's like doing a loom, weaving something together, or making something out of knitting or crocheting. Every stitch matters. Every row and everything to see how that thing is going to come together, whatever you're making. And that's what this is. This is how all the scriptures flow correctly so that you can see the full picture being laid out. And we'll go into some other passages of scripture that kind of fit with this whole mm-hmm. narrative, this whole timeline that the Bible just gives us this this de- little bit of detail. On. And that's why it's really difficult to kind of put down this this timeline because there's not any one passage of scripture that gives us exactly where everything fits right. But then you, when you read them all and you kind of look at, okay, where could this go? Where does this fit? Then you start to kind of see the whole, the way God set everything up. All the resurrected, where everyone's going to get resurrected, folks. You know, it just depends on, are you righteous or are you wicked? Really, that's really the matter. Right. We want to be part of the resurrected. That's going to be a citizen of that wonderful city, New Jerusalem. Right. And this is why the great white throne judgment, yeah. Is it in our rearview mirror? Yeah, it's well in our past now. I've even stated this in way a lot of previous shows that we're beyond all that now, and now we're just waiting to get our inheritance in New Jerusalem right now, where we know who's running that joint. That's King David. Exactly. He's running that place, and we know he's a righteous guy. You know, exactly. He's a righteous king. He was the best king Israel ever had. Exactly. A man after God's own heart. Exactly. And of course, now he's got the resurrected body, so he's even better. <laughs> And now he's got another kingdom because he did so well the first time around. So, I mean, yeah. Did he make errors? Yes. So did all of us. He's human. But We're all not. humans, but now, now he's, glorified. <laughs> he's got a glorified body running everything well. The satanic forces don't really stand a chance because they don't have anything. The satanic forces can't offer eternal life. They're, they're trying to get eternal life. They're trying to use technology to get eternal life. Mm-hmm. And, and like that will be some kind of a way to get eternal life. It's ridiculous. But that's what they're fixated on. 
Well, because uh, God can't gives only eternal life to his people, and the wicked don't want to become part of God. Well, is it they, they don't really want God anyway. They just want the power. That's how all of that is. But see, power goes nowhere without vision and, well, in, in evil power, to put it this way, goes nowhere. If you are given power by God and you're living righteously, you know, God will honor how you live and choose to live. Whereas these people are evil. The forces guiding people today are evil. And they're not going to go anywhere. Well, we know we live in a dark age here. Mm-hmm. We don't live. We don't live on New Earth. <laughs> We're living on old Earth, right? First Earth. That's fine. We have to endure to the end, like all those righteous people exactly did before us. Right. People ask us all the time. Well, if all, brother Phil, if all these prophecies are all over, what's left for us? <laughs> well, what's left for everybody? Just because we've gone beyond. All these biblical prophecies doesn't mean that we, God doesn't have a plan, a purpose for our life. Right. That's ridiculous. He no. He is for now anyway, so there's got to be a reason why he wants us to endure. He wants us to overcome yes. the deception and wickedness of this dark age we're living in. Right. And he wants us to start living holy and godly lives, because that's the only ones that are going to make it into New Jerusalem. This is why I'm here to tell people the good news. The good news is that we have, in our grasp, in our futures, and anybody who's depressed, there's no absolutely no reason to be depressed. We are on the winning side. It's not a matter of if, it's when. We just have to endure the hardships. They are, they're going to throw all kinds of hardships in our way. I, I guarantee you, if you're living for God, you will get so much crap thrown in your, in your face. But that's okay, because what we're going for is so much more valuable. Eternal life, an eternal inheritance that will last forever? I mean, this is something that's amazing. And all we have to do is endure to the end. We live in a dark, deceptive age. We know this. We must be vigilant. We must be manly. We must be fortified. Standing firm in the faith. Doing everything out of love. Not only because it's biblical. But because it glorifies God. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.